Welcome to Light of Prophecy International. I'm Bogdan, Danny Shinkarenko, and I'm here today with Pastor Mike Avalon. It's good to be here again. This is, uh, we're continuing a, a really important subject. Which, which topic is that? It's uh, Principles of Understanding Bible Prophecy, Part 2. Awesome, awesome. Let's pray before we begin. Lord, thank you once again for bringing us here. Thank you for blessing these programs. We ask again that you be with us and reveal your word to us and your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So question number one in today's episode is, should we compare all the prophecies together so we can have a full understanding of them? Yes. Um, it's, it's interesting how prophecy, each prophecy in the book of Daniel and Revelation pretty much tell the same story over and over again. Each time it tells a story, it gives us more information. So God is not throwing the light in our faces at the very first prophecy, like Daniel 2. It's a broad stroke. Okay. And then as you work your way through um, Daniel 7 and 8, you're hearing the same story over again, but you're getting more information added and, to it. And I've, I've heard you say this before. And and that's is that's that's something that the Hebrews just do in their culture, correct? That's right. That's that's the way that's the way God revealed it to them, and that's the way they thought. And and how, how's that? Just yeah, you 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 repeat you. First of all, you give a, a a broad stroke of something. Okay. You'll see this all the way through the Bible, Old right. and New Testament, right. even in the Greek culture. Um, um, and then you'll see after he does. After God shows something in a broad stroke, he'll come back and he'll explain it again with more detail. And then again with a little more, with detail, more detail and so forth yeah. until until you get the full picture. That's right. That's that's an interesting way of... So, so uh, are we ready for the answer to that question? Yes. So Isaiah 28, verse 9 and 10 says, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Okay, so when you look at precept upon precept, precept is is um, teachings on any particular subject. It could be like um, our belief about um, uh, about Bible prophecy. Mm-hmm. You're not going to learn everything from one text. You're going to go searching through the whole Bible to look about how to study the Bible, what the Bible says about itself. Mm-hmm. So we have a thing called the great preponderance of truth. And great mm-hmm. preponderance means is that you take everything you can find in the Word of God using your concordance, and you and you look for every text dealing with a subject. And then when you get done with all those Bible texts, you put them together. And then you have the great preponderance. And then you come to your conclusion. You don't come to a conclusion off of one Bible text. For instance, it's very dangerous. For instance, wine. Wine is an interesting one because mm-hmm. a lot of people go and say, say, well, Jesus turned water into wine. Bam. <laughs> There's your verse for why yeah. you know you can get drunk on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> versus versus go to Proverbs and look up any verses on wine there. It's all it's all, it's all bad. In the negative. Yeah. yeah. And so is, you, like, is the Bible confused? No, it's not. And that, that's, that's what is interesting about uh, precept upon precept and the great preponderance of truth mm-hmm. is that is that you, you th- that is a beautiful concept. And that is a concept that I find unique to the Seventh-day Adventist Church is that to us, that is a very important thing is to 
put all the verses together. You don't just pick one or the other out of the New or out of the Old Testament. No, you go through the whole Bible and you find all the verses regarding a topic Mm -hmm. and you get that great preponderance of truth. Right. And so when you look at the wine issue, there's in the Bible, there's new wine Mm -hmm. and then there's fermented wine, old wine. And even today, if you if you travel to Europe, you will you you ask you'll ask the waiter um i'd like to have a glass of wine and he'll sit stand there and he'll look at you yeah um the reason why he's waiting to know what kind of wine you want new wine or old wine because they don't call it grape juice over there wine is wine (laughs) yeah but you have to tell them what which you want fermented hard or do you want it fresh yeah um so yeah that's, so you just have to look through your Bible and figure it out. It's like, it's not that hard. And I, I personally would like to do an episode at some point in the future okay. about this issue. All right, good. Um, and, then, and then just and a then, quick, and then, quick, yeah. quick note for just for yeah. me is, is why... So typically, when you have a definition from the dictionary, mm-hmm. you don't want to use that same word that is being defined in the definition, right? Right. Um, why is the Bible different than that? Because words change. Um, they're constantly constantly being changed. The definitions are being changed. So if you want to know what a person was saying in the Old Testament, you have to go to the ancient Hebrew. If you want to know something that they're saying in the Greek, you have to go to the Greek in the New Testament. And the culture uh, supports, the, the culture uh, definition will support the word. Right. Very Very simple. So even when it comes to time, uh, definition of what time is in Bible prophecy, which we'll get into in a little bit. So anyways, and then it says line upon line. When you see that word line upon line, line upon line, it's talking about prophetic timeline. It's not talking about lines in your Bible. It's talking about prophetic timelines that are in your Bible. Okay. Okay? So it's not talking about just the words in in alignment. It's, It's talking about. Um, you have to put prophecy upon prophecy upon prophecy, like strata layer that's in the ground. Mm-hmm. The strata layer um, that you see in, in mountains and sides of hills and stuff, you can see the different layers of some of sand, rock, um, red, colors of, of uh, volcanic, yeah. whatever. And you see all of it being laid down line upon line. And you realize that there was a, a global deluge. Yeah. Um, and then you realize that the Bible is correct about the flood. So these are these are witnesses and and uh, archaeological witnesses that there was a flood. Yeah, yeah. So our next question is: What Bible translations can we trust to be accurate? Okay, this this is uh, this is really really um, big. Yes. Uh, go ahead and read that. That's that's quite a document there. The King James comes from the Texas Receptus or the text received, and is from the original Greek. Not the 5% corrupt Alexandrian, Vaticanus, and Sinaiticus manuscripts. These were corrupted by the Mar- Merson, Merson. Merson yeah. from 120 to 160 AD and origin in 184 to 254 AD. Okay, so um, these, these manuscripts, they give you a little background on, on it. Um, so Constantine's mother um, saw a mountain, and she says, "That's Mount Sinai." Well, biblically, Mount Sinai is in Arabia, mm-hmm. so that's <laughs> she was wrong. She her geographical understanding was was wrong. But they put a little temple or a little church at the bottom of 
this quote unquote Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. And in that building, they found these, some of these, these, uh, 5% corrupt manuscripts. And they say, well, they're very old. They're the oldest that we have. Yeah. They're the oldest that you have because they were thrown away and nobody used them. The original were, were copied and, and taken care of for all the years. Yeah. And from those pure manuscripts, the Waldenses, which we're going to talk about in a second, um, they they kept those pure manuscripts from Antioch, and they kept them alive and well all the way through the Dark Ages. And then at the end, at the Valley of Shanfaran, which is in northern Italy, they gave those pure documents to the Waldenses. I mean, not excuse me, to um, John Calvin. And that's what kicked off the Protestant Reformation. A pure Bible kicked off the Protestant Reformation. And even Martin Luther, the great reformer, used the Texas Receptus. So, um, but Origen came along and corrupted. They weren't, they didn't believe in Christ. Every time they saw anything that talked about Christ's divinity, they would rip it out of the Bible. Wow. So, and it's, it's kind of funny. It's wow. only 5%. There's only 5% of these manuscripts. Wow. So what manuscripts did they use when they ran out of the five? The Texas Receptus. <laughs> okay. It's kind of like it's it's kind of funny because yeah. it's like if your if your manuscripts are so perfect, right, uh, right, why do you yeah. only have five of them, five percent right. of them? Yeah, you know, and so that means what they're saying by doing that, they're saying that scripture cannot be trusted. Well, we know better than that, right? So it's uh, furthermore we have from these corrupt manuscripts we have today the NIV, RSV, and EV and the ASV. Yeah. So I think we need to stay with the pure manuscripts from the Protestant Reformation, like the great men like Erasmus and Tyndale and these great men that, um, that gave us this pure Bible. And, and so the Walden Sea connection will um, skip. Um, is, is really, really uh, the pure word of God. And here's a very interesting uh, historical uh, document. And I'm going to read this for the listeners. It says, For the Bibles produced under Waldensian influence touched the history of Calvin, namely a Greek, a Waldensian vernacular, and a French and Italian. Calvin himself was also led to the great work by Peter Olivetton, a Waldensian. So, John Kelvin had a, a, a near relative, and his name was Peter Olivetton. And Peter um, was the man that, that, um, that put the, the ancient vernacular of the, of the Greek into the language that the Protestants needed. And so they had a pure manuscript. And this is what, like I said before, this is what kicked, up the, kicked off the Protestant Reformation with a pure Bible. Going on with the with the document, it says Farrell, also a Waldensian, besought him to come to Geneva and open up a work there. Calvin felt that he should labor in Paris, according to Ledger, which is a historian. Calvin recognized a relationship to the Calvinists of the Valley of Saint Martin, one of the Waldensian valleys, and this is Ledger's history of the Vaudois, or they call them the Vaudois because they were the people that lived in the valleys, and um, that's Waldo Waldensees. Um, Voudois, um, these were people that lived in valleys, but eventually they had to live in the mountains because they were persecuted and they were 
forced to leave their valleys and, and live in the mountains during the mm-hmm. Dark Ages. Okay. So. By the way, we have a documentary on these people. And mm-hmm. if, if the listeners would want to go and watch that on YouTube, they can mm-hmm. see it there. It's a good program. Okay, so um, so out of this, we have the Apostles original. And then after that, we have the received text, which is the Greek, the Waldensian Bible, which is the italic, uh, Erasmus, received text, restored. And then it went to Luther's Bible, Dutch, French, Italian, etc., which was the um, from the received text. Uh, Tyndale, the English, uh, English uh, um, revised text in 1535, and then it eventually became the King James Bible in 16. 11 and uh, but then you have also the the corrupt manuscripts uh, which was the apostles corrupt originals which we were just talked about the Sinaiticus Vaticanus Bible Greek and Vulgate that means the common language it's the word Vulgate Latin Church of the uh, Roman um, of Rome's Bible and then you have the Vaticanus with Greek the, and then it became the French Spanish and Italian from the Vulgate um, and then you had Reims, uh, English, the Vulgate Jesuit Bible in 1582. And then you have the Oxford Movement, which corrupted everything, really messed things up. Um, Westcott and Hort, and that's the American Revised, 1901. And we need to be careful with these revisions because they're very, very messed up. And a lot of people have been confused about who God is by reading some these manuscripts. Right. So, so, so I mean, what, what... What version, I guess, should we really just focus on? Well, I'll, I'll make it really super plain. Really super plain. Um, there's two branches of Christianity. Okay. One branch was the Protestant Reformation branch that, that had its origin with the Waldenses, as far as the Bible goes. And then you have then you have the Catholic Church that had their version of the Bible, which is the Sinaiticus Vaticanus corrupt yeah. manuscripts. Yeah. Okay, so the, the two branches of Christianity. Uh, one um, held to the apostolic teaching. The other one says it's apostolic, but it doesn't hold to the Bible. It holds to tradition and the Bible, more okay. tradition than Bible. Okay. And so, and they even admit that they they, right. they put Absolutely. tradition above Scripture. Absolutely. They'll say that. They'll tell you that. So, what are you going to follow, the Bible, or some? Just because someone believes a lie for five hundred years or a thousand years, does it still make it? Does it? Is it still a lie, or is it truth all of a sudden? It's still a lie. It's still a lie. So, so, so basically, I mean, that's why the Protestant Reformation was was born is because if you study the the pure manuscripts, you're gonna run into an issue with the traditions of man. That's right. Period. The end. That's that's mm-hmm. what this is all about. That's what's that's what's happening here. That's right. All right. So our next question is: What should we know about chapters, punctuations, and italicized words? Okay. Um, chapter points. Uh, very interesting chapter chapters in the Bible were added by Cardinal Hugo in 1250 AD and the placement of the chapters are not always where the prophecy starts and ends. for a good example Daniel 11 starting with verse 1 continues all the way to Daniel 12 verse 5 so so I mean I guess this is this is a very deep uh, question or topic but how did they determine where the chapters go. Okay, so when you when you you have to read things in its narrative. 
mm-hmm. as things are moving along and you're reading something and all of a sudden it just stops and then you go to the next chapter and you see that the narrative continues right follow along keep going yeah. until the vision stops the vision stops at verse 5 or before verse 5 so you know verse 5 starts a whole new vision and then you know that that is the end of the dream and now he's going to now God is taking him to another vision right so follow the storyline like pay follow attention story. read, yeah pay read attention where you're context. going Read, read with the thing. Yeah. It's, um, Sometimes they do a good job. They put the chapter points in the right place, but not always. Right. But the fact that the chapter points are where they're at is not necessarily a doctrinal issue. No, right? it's it wasn't in the Bible. Into... It's not. It wasn't in the Bible originally. And and I'd like to. Uh, well, I think I think we might get to that. But the, the fact that the the way the Hebrews wrote things, mm-hmm. they obviously didn't have chapter points. That's right. No chapter points in Hebrew or Greek. Okay. It was. It came much later, as we just read. So, um, so verses. And this is this is a fun one. This yeah. Is definitely... Verses were added by the Geneva Bible Committee in 1516 A.D. So we should read the verse in context. And I think I've run into Proverbs um, a lot of this in Proverbs, where the proverb is definitely like two or three verses together. Like you, you can tell for sure, but it looks like it's just kind of random notes where mm-hmm. where if you're reading it in context it, he's going on about one little topic mm-hmm. and it's and it's a few verses together right but um so def, definitely context is important there yeah so you know it's it's very important for us to realize that when you look at your bible and we're going to we're running out of time in this session but um, when you look when you look at your bible you have to remember that good men, good faithful men, yeah. um, put these uh, chapter points and they put in verses and different things to help us navigate through the Bible for, for so that we verses. can all be on the same yeah. page. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Yeah. yeah. So um, so it's been a blessing. It was, it's been a blessing to have those, but yeah. just you just have to understand how They're things work. points, but in the end, it is a story and it is a poem and it is, it is a letter written from God to us you know so so it's 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 reference points to treat them as such amen let's pray dear father as we uh, finish this session we just thank you so much for the listeners we ask you be with each one of them protect them show them the way home to the celestial city is our prayer and we thank you in jesus name amen amen